All right, I want to welcome on our next guest. We have Mark Sester, host around the NFL podcast, NFL Network, uh, diehard Browns fan. Mark, how's everything going with you and your family right now? Well, I'm doing all right, thank you. I, I think my story with you know two little kids, um, trying to homeschool them, and and you know my wife and I both have full time jobs, thankfully right now. Uh, trying to juggle all that, it's it's a narrative that I think many are singing um, similar tunes right now. So it's just kind of like it's it started as a bit of a um, unique change in life with some challenges. Now I feel like it's drifted into I'm very bored stage where I, you know we're all feeling it. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. The mask. I, see, I wear glasses normally for distance, but like with the mask, they get all fogged up. So I'm always walking around <laughs> and I can't see anything. And I'm like, yeah. this is so sometimes I just go no glasses. And then my, I, I was home last week. And my dad's like, you got me the wrong milk. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't see, see the milk. I can't see it. Yeah. But also what you could do, just a thought, I don't know if you're already doing it, for like if you're trying to implement language arts, you can find some NFL players with five syllable names and you could try to do that and be like, hey, can you spell uh, Amukamara? So, I like um, this. That's a good plan. And there's no shortage of those, um, no. you know, those, I guess, vocab words they could be t- quizzed on. So absolutely, thank you. absolutely, tip. absolutely. You could do that. Yeah. So we're getting into the NFL schedule release. I know they, a lot of teams have had the release to the release to the release to the release to the actual schedule release. Uh, we don't know the games yet. It's not, we're recording this early Thursday, or at least early, little, uh, um, early afternoon Thursday. We don't know the games yet. What games are you most looking forward to? Because you know, you know who they're playing. You don't know when or where it's going to be. Which games are you most looking forward to when the season does start up? I look for games, um, you know, with teams that have changed a lot. So in general, when, you know, Tampa Bay takes on the Saints, a game that for years, um, you know, and that Tampa gave the Saints fits at times, to be honest. But, uh, you know, it's not something that would stand out to me um, as must-watch, must um, you know, game of the week type stuff. But the Bucks are fascinating. I, I look at a team like the Bengals that I would, you know, I'd watch those games on Game Rewind and just um, fall into a deep slumber. But it's different. The team is, feels so different with Joe Burrow. And when, you know, I'm assuming he'll start right away. Why, why else? Um, what other path would you take? And, I mean, the whole aura to a, a once very dull um, Andy Dalton-led Bengals team feels entirely different for me. And then I guess, you know, you've got, you've got thing, like the Ravens, uh, I believe, face off against the Titans. Oh, cool. And, you know, some, you know, a team like the Ravens with a, with a chip on their shoulder that, you know, two years in a row knocked out of the playoffs um, unceremoniously and early, um, those games matter. And, I, and I, I, for me, it's like I like to see when they happen in the year. And um, I think this year around, like, you know, with, with what's happening in our world, um, what will the first part of the schedule look um, markedly different than the last? Um, you know, the reports out there saying that, that that's not necessarily the case. But the NFL does have uh, contingency plans per reports to shorten um, if needed. But but what games and how would they do that? So I think it's it, for, for a variety of reasons, it's a little bit more of an intriguing schedule release than some years. I know sometimes some people just are either not into the concept of it at all um, like I don't sit around waiting for the NBA schedule to come out and I'm sure, I'm sure some people feel that way about the NFL, but it's fewer games and it's, it's cool to find out what the primetime games are, what the kickoff games are, the week 17 finales. So, um, you know, I, I think they, they put a ton of work into it. And, um, it, to me also, I, I, what will there be extra Saturday games if the college game, um, vanishes, that's something that may be tweaked with down the road. Um, I, that would have me and others working about seven days a week. So, I do have a horse in that race. I, I always had the idea that people say it's not ever going to happen, but I, I'd like to think it's happened. It, it, this is a non 
coronavirus world where everything's going normal, I had the idea of, they always have the London game. So you're on the East Coast, you get the London games at 930, then you get the one o'clock games, 430 games and Sunday night football. I thought the idea of what if they did sort of like a, like a round of 64 March Madness thing and just did 24 hours of consecutive football playing in games around the globe in different markets. And you put like the games, like the games of the teams, you don't know how they're, the, the teams that aren't going to be the best, they can play in like Singapore. And right. you, <laughs> you can, the, they, Redskins, the Redskins, if they're not doing so well, you know, they can play, they can put them in uh, Abu Dhabi. We, yes, we can say, I like we're, that. Yeah, so it, it, it'd be a nightmare for media, it'd be a nightmare for everybody, but like, it, it'd be interesting. And then the, the thing that you could do with that is you do a bye week in front of it, a bye week in the back end of it, you have 24 hours of football, and then the next week you're like, you know what, I'm good, I'm just going to watch 60 minutes and go to sleep. That's all I need. So, it, yeah, but I don't think it's, but this year, schedule release is a little different. You don't know if fans are going to be there, and it's, right. I think it's just, there's a lot of just not much going on, so I think there might be some intrigue. It's just in the D.C. area, this we're coming around Redskins Ravens this year. I'm almost certain, not 100% sure. I think the last time they played was when Nada knocked out RG3. Not no, no, that's not true. That's not true. Forget that. That was two times ago. It was Kirk, Kirk Cousins played in it, but that's always going to yeah. be intrigue. So, well, that's I, a that's an underrated um, yeah. geographic clash. I mean, I know you've got your your New Yorks, and they and they you know they managed a way to get two LA teams. I'm not sure that's a natural um, rivalry the way some would think, but I lived in, in Washington for a while. And that was back during a time when the Redskins were um, ultra trashy. I mean, they were a hot mess and the Ravens were just beginning. I'm talking a million years ago, Um, but you could already feel back then the split geographically between those two fan bases. So um, you're right. That RG three game a couple times ago was huge and pivotal and franchise altering. So who knows what will happen uh, with Ron Rivera running the Redskins now. Yeah, and also I think an added storyline is you. I think a lot of Redskins fans have just been that have been so fed up with all the losing, kind of switched sides last year. Yeah, and I think they all they're like, oh, Lamar Jackson. This wait a minute, it's like because I don't think anybody's like the teams that a lot of times they're like, oh, don't be a bandwagon. I'm like, if the team's just consistently disappointing you and nobody's going to stay in, and you want to go to a team, I think a lot of fans switched over. And then this year maybe we can see. Okay, we'll see when if if. It, it, it was before Corona, before all the coronavirus stuff. I'm like, I was very curious about the, the split of Ravens to Redskins fans, depending right. on where the game was. But now we're going to see, like, okay, like, can, can, can the Burgundy and Gold get some of these fans back? And, it, and Chase Young, I think he said uh, before he was even drafted, he said the player he was most looking forward to sack was Lamar Jackson. So if he could catch him, maybe turning into <laughs> tides. I don't know, but it's, that would it's be big. What, yeah, because there's it, because it's not really a rivalry, but it's like anytime you see the net, the Nationals are playing the Orioles, they get the Beltway battle. It's a big deal. It's, the people like it around here, even though a lot of the times it's mostly been for football wise, the Ravens have almost almost come on top, except for two times ago. Redskins lost a very important player. They did win the game. Actually, funny story about that game. I was working at a grocery store in um in, in uh, Baltimore County where I'm from that the day before that game, and that was the game that Nada knocked um, RG3 out. Right. And I was working, we closed around 8 p.m. Eastern and around 7.50, do you remember Ja Reed? Yeah. Ja Reed, ja Reed walked into the, the, to the grocery store and he got about six five-hour energies. I'm like, <laughs> I know there's a gap in the O-line tomorrow. Go through yeah. him. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So That's so, an advanced scouting report that they yeah, made. Yeah, you know? they didn't know. They didn't know. And I'm like, oh, but yeah, so that, that was wild. And then for your Browns, um, I, I, I had a lot more faith in Baker, even going into the end part of last year. I think it was just kind of like he got up to a bad start, a lot of hype, kind of everything, kind of the Ravens breaking up. The Steelers had a fantastic defense. And just a lot of, a lot of media noise. 
Um, I think Baker I, – I, I'm expecting big things from the Browns this year. I'm, last year they had very high expectations. I don't think anybody really thought they would amount to that. This year I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I think the whole team probably um, has a better uh, perspective on what unfolded last year. And, you know, the reports coming out of Cleveland were pretty ugly – in terms of game preparation, preparation and, and Freddie Kitchens, um, who I think would be awesome to go have a few beers with, I think he's a good dude, um, maybe just in over his head. I mean, it sounds like if you go watch some of those, the Seattle game comes to mind where Cleveland raced out to a lead and looked like the Browns team um, you'd expect. And they did that, and they, they romped over the Ravens one week. Yeah. And there were moments where it was like, oh, yeah, this is how, we, this, is how this is should look with the talent they have on the field. And, um, you know, it, it, they really didn't seem to game plan past the first couple drives and, and they didn't adjust. And I think Baker was put into a really tough um, year two environment to learn and grow. I think he had the second lowest completion percentage yeah. um, amongst, you know, the legit starters. And that's his accuracy was what was one of the reasons that made him the top overall pick and his aggressiveness and his risk taking that didn't turn into Jameis Winston, like interceptions. And, there were just too many mistakes. I think that Baker wasn't um, supported very well and didn't have a lot around him to help him kind of even see the game as it was happening. Um, he was one of the more mysterious players. I would do a Cleveland um, spot each week on, on, on a local Cleveland radio, and they'd ask the question very fairly, what's wrong with Baker Mayfield? And it's like, I'm not a quarterback tutor. Uh, I am, I am a, an analyst who watches as much as I can and write, like, loves to write and loves the game. But I mean, there were things happening with Baker Mayfield that I just thought were um, hard to even figure out with the eye what was going on game to game. Now, they immediately, this new coaching staff, talked about fixing um, aspects of his footwork right away, um, his drop, making things um, more complete for him and smooth. And, you know, the one thing about the Andrew Barry front office in Cleveland, youngest GM in the league, and Kevin Stefanski, um, another young offensive-minded coach, Stefanski strikes me – um, as extremely detail-oriented. And he talked about how every single player on the team will be giving a dense to-do list this offseason. Corona or not, that was going to be the case. Yeah. Um, real goals, like what are, how are we achieving these goals? And I just think that the overall top-down approach and the way that the coaching staff and the front office have worked together, this has quietly been a better offseason than last year. Last year, you know, I think the, the match was lit when they traded for OBJ, and that makes sense. Of course, you know, people would – would start to fall into flights of fancy. There was a lot of talent there, but they shored up Jack Conklin at right tackle and you go and you get, you know, Wills at, at the left side. And if that works out, if he can make that switch yeah. and, you know, they have the right coaching staff, I think to do that. And Bill Callahan, who, who, you know, well, um, coaching that offensive line. He, he loves, he moves, loves, to, loves to run the ball. Just so you know, loves, loves to, to run, run the ball. And you know run. what? That doesn't bother me too much. I think, I think that's Kevin Stefanski's the same way. You're going to see a lot of multiple tight end sets. Um, Nick Chubb is going to have, you know, be put into a situation, have a really big year and they've got, they've got no end to the talent there. So, um, you know, they really have no bigger no excuses. If, if, no. if we come out of year three with the same questions, it wouldn't be too soon to think about Cleveland looking elsewhere. Um, for a quarterback in the disaster scenario would be if he melted in case Keenum, who knows Stefanski and yeah. Stefanski knows him were to come in. I just, I, I think there's, there's all the faith that Baker can turn it around and um, he'd have to be his own worst enemy for that to, to go South. 
the, the Keenum move, I think, kind of like kind of slipped slipped by everybody. The people really didn't people. Like, oh, the Browns had Keenum, and then I don't think a lot of people made the fancy Keenum connection from a couple of years ago. Do you, if you were to say, do you think that's more just pressure on Baker, or do you think that's more of an insurance policy? I think it's insurance. At this point, I believe that um, Baker Mayfield is an attractive selling point to a coaching staff, and you know. The narrative was his play was not good last year compared to what we saw down the stretch in 2018. In fact, I mean, it was just disappointing. But there are games and there were throws he made that reminded you that physically he's that guy, that it's not, it wasn't a, you know, his physical traits are not a flash in the pan. I think Case Keenum comes in knowing Stefanski's offense really well. Um, Your backup quarterback, you know, we always, you know, we don't make fun of it because we love Charlie Castley, but he has a pretty funny line where he, you know, he says in his little voice that, uh, you know, your, your quarterback, your number one player on your team is your quarterback, and your number two player is your backup quarterback. And he's right. I mean, in so many cases, you watch what happens when the starter goes out. So, um, you know, they, Drew Stanton was out the door. They needed to find a veteran. I think also it's about that meeting room, um, which we're never privy to these meetings. But, you know, Castle is so right because, because typically your number two guy should be someone that's been around. Um, if, he's a, if you have a young player up front, a veteran who's been around, been in a lot of different situations, who can really help Baker Mayfield. So I see it as a huge plus for Baker Mayfield. And it's not like, um, you know, you got Cam Newton sitting behind you yeah. where everyone in the stands is just thinking about what Cam Newton would have done on that play. Case Keenum is a great um, guy to have as your backup. I think he's got a limited ceiling as a starter and won't really – you're not going to have the, the fans if, I mean, what, on Twitter if they're not in the stands going crazy for Case Keenum based on one or two bad Mayfield games, I, I believe. Now, you never know. Fans act the way they act. I'm one of those people sometimes. How many times do you think Colin Cowher is going to tweet the name Case Keenum this year? We need to see him. We need to see him. Maybe he's the guy. Well, no. I mean, it's, you know, it, he, I, if you're him, I guess you want to play the hits. And so yeah. that, would, that, would, that would fit into that. Um, I don't spend a lot of time listening to that show. But, uh, uh, you know, I, it, in a way, it, it feels to me that if, if – well, I don't want to say too much, but if you're targeting young players coming yeah. into the league, it's like, okay, um, Baker Mayfield totally proved him wrong the first year around. Baker Mayfield also has been big enough to go on shows like that. He went on ESPN when he yeah. had sort of tangled with Rex Ryan a little bit. So it's like, you know, you'd like to see those feuds um, patch up when the two people are willing to talk, but that doesn't seem to be how um, sports talk radio uh tends to work so no, fair enough no yeah and then uh, there's the, all the insurance commercials were just like how much that was does- too much <laughs> that you know and i i've always had a thing with nfl ads where you know let's say you've got a 16 weeks of endless todd Gurley ad campaigns yeah. in la if by week eight todd the todd Gurley experience is not making fans feel good or he's he's injured or something's going wrong you got to have a you know we'll find a way to yeah. we got to have a backup spots or something because the baker mayfield stuff you know still playing through the playoffs yeah. was um, a terrible, terrible experience for him, probably yeah. despite the money he made, and just laborious to deal with. I mean, yeah, it, oh, yeah, it, it, it was wild. I'm like, I'm like, why do they keep airing these? It's, no, it's, 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 it's wild. It's interesting. And then, so the, the, basically, I think the most talked about thing is obviously was Tom Brady, and you see him head down to Tampa Bay. Doesn't know where his offensive coordinator lives. That's a whole issue in itself. But um, how do you? I, I think there's a lot of buzz, and then there should be buzz. How do you see that team performing this year? Well, the one thing that I really trust about Tom Brady is uh, just who he is as a person and, and how much um, not just football means to him, but the process of 
um, off-season development and the process of week-to-week planning. And I think he's going to – I think that Tom Brady needed – the way that we all do sometimes in life when it's time to make a big change um, and break away on your own and go have a new experience, uh, whether it be in work or relationships, fill in the blank, I think he and Bruce Arians are going to be really good for each other. And, and you know, I don't buy that there's a ton of animosity between Brady and the Patriots um, in either direction. I think it just came to a natural – and but Brady is going to be very driven to silence anyone that suggests that um, a he's he's finished uh, or b he's physically finished um, or c you know this was a kind of a look at me move where it's kind of trying to show up the Patriots. I'm not sure any of those things will be true at all. Um, you know I think Brady played through some stuff last year physically. We never you never really hear about no. what you know. There was a, the famous you know Peyton Manning once played through like leg stuff that was just insane that you found out later. And like, these guys can't even walk. And it's like, I mean, Brady is not going to go tell anyone and um, you know, he'll take the criticism. It's it kind of reminds me of Cleveland from last year where like, we've never really seen the bucks put it together despite having these talented sort of star studded um, pretty stocked offenses. Um, Their defense is good. Their offensive line got some help. There isn't an area that you point at and say, this thing is going to fall apart. I mean, and if you really get a healthy Gronk on top of it, um, you're giving someone that Brady knows like two, two brothers that grew up together. So I like, I like what's in place. Um, you know, they gave them like five or six. Uh, I'm sure they'll, they'll probably give them five or six like nighttime games, right? I mean, yep. how else would you do it if you're, if you're Tampa Bay? Um, or maybe not. I don't know how they'll play that. And um, my thing there would just be, I hope it lives up to it because there's going to be a lot of exposure to the Bucks, um, sort of pre-set. And so I hope they're fun. I've been clamoring for the Redskins to look into OJ Howard. Do you think he suits up week one for the Bucks, or do you think he gets moved? It's funny because, like, I think about in Cleveland where David Njoku is still there when they have three viable tight ends, one of them a rookie, and the Redskins really need someone with Reed out the door. And Howard would be um, a really, I, I mean, to give Dwayne Haskins uh, help like that. Um, you know, and OJ Howard, I, to me, it's interesting when a team. Um, is sort of floating a guy for trade yeah. over and over and over that there must be something about um, Bruce Arians and the coaching staff and OJ Howard that's not clicking. I don't know if that's a legit issue that would concern another team um, or if it's nothing and it's just like, this isn't our guy. Uh, but the Redskins need lots of talent. Yeah. Um, I think you could get him relatively cheap just because of the fact he's been dangled out there for so long. Um, why not? I'd say if you're the Redskins, go for it. And you know, you need, you've got to have ways to sell this team to the fan base still. It can't just be Ron Rivera. Yeah. And also he's got the Alabama connection. You love it. They love the Verbama guys. Um, I thought when they got the future pick and the trade for Williams, maybe they were going to dangle that, but it never happened. Maybe they're just waiting for the price to drop. And if they see Gronk and Cameron Brake, maybe establish themselves as the one and two, maybe the price will drop even further. But Howard's just too talented a guy to not be your number one tight end. I think He's, he's a physical he's, – he's a freak. He's, he's incredible. I, but even though his best catch of the year came at the the, um, the Rays game, that, that's the only thing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but, like, he's, he's, he's so talented. He's like 25, still on a rookie contract. Um, and it's just about his, this past draft. It wasn't really the most stacked in tight end position. That was just the one thing I'm seeing. Like, as soon as I see Gronk come there, I'm like, this guy's going to move just when. So, maybe – I don't know. But that that's the one guy I've really been clamoring for. I think he's just – He's ready to break out. He just needs that right fit. I think that makes too much sense. And, you know, even before Gronk, I thought that Howard could get moved and they, could, they would fill it in with a younger player. I mean, it's 
to me, um, it, it's good for the player too. And, and as, as much as it's as fun as it is for certain fans to look at position groups that are just absolutely overloaded. Uh, it just doesn't work that way for long in the NFL. Like you, you, you can't hang on to these guys and you got to get value while you still can. And, and having OJ Howard be in a timeshare where he, you know, his, his role is reduced by 60% of what it would have been. That's not how you get maximum trade value next off season. So do you sell high now or do you pay the consequences if he disappears? Yeah. Last off season, after I saw the moves they made and Bruce Aaron went to Tampa, I was looking at it. I'm like, this offense is going to be fun to watch. I don't know if they're going to make the list. This offense is going to be fun to watch. This year, that team that I think could take that moniker is the Denver Broncos. I love what they did. They really didn't do too much to add to that defense, but the offense, Drew Locke showed a little bit last year what he's capable of doing. Cortland Sutton did a lot more in year number two than year number one. Noah Fan, I've, lo- I've loved him since he was at Iowa. And then they went out and added Jerry Judy and KJ Hammond from Penn State. What are you expecting from the Denver Broncos this year? Well, and you have, um, you know, a, a healthy Melvin Gordon to pair with Philip Lindsay. And I, I'm with you. I mean, I always feel like that line could get a little bit better. But um, if Drew Locke is clicks, and I, I liked some of his games down the stretch, like in a tough situation, um, you know, I think Vic Fangio is all about defense and the, and the offense has lacked a little bit of identity under him and previous. I mean, they had quarterback issues for so long. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I recently wrote an article where we kind of had burning questions for every team. And I asked if the Broncos were the next um, AFC sort of next power offense because, and I don't mean power like heavy sets, but just super powerful and, um, you know, able to, to, to score points like a waterfall at times. I mean, the, it, I think it comes down to Locke really growing in year two, but um, man, they've given him a ton of weapons yeah. and I, I KJ Hamler's interesting too. So I, I, I think they're already a fascinating team and um, yeah, I wouldn't, if there was indications or if there was any concerns over Drew Locke and it doesn't seem to be not a terrible landing spot for Cam Newton of all people. Interesting. Um, I mean, interesting. just because you're kind of, it, it's a day by day exercise now looking where he'd want to go. And, and Ian Rappaport reported today that um, Cam would be, open to being a backup. And I mean, yes, he is because that's really, there's no open, obvious um, starter voids right now, but in Denver, um, you know, and I don't know, again, though, like we're saying, does that put Drew Locke in a great situation if Broncos fans know that Cam Newton is sitting on the bench? I, that may be from a relationship team building standpoint, a tough, a tough way to go. An injury to anyone in Cam Newton's right in there. So we, that, that might be a, a TBD or I think it will be. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's a very interesting team to keep an eye on. That's definitely going to be one of the teams that you just even you just you want to watch their games this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then to flip flipping sides over to basketball, I assume you've been watching the Last Dance on Sundays because really, really not much else going on. Is there yeah. anything really that caught your eye that you're like, I can't believe this happened? It would never happen today. Well, I mean, so much of it. Uh, t- to me, I I kind of watched it a little bit more from a through a media lens uh, because. You know, I'm I'm 46, so when when those bull seasons were happening, um, a lot of them starting when I was kind of like in high school, moving on through college. That uh, when you're in high school, you know, and you don't have like a you can't drive and you don't have a girlfriend, you know, I would watch uh, endless NBA basketball, and I really don't today. I really don't track it um, mm-hmm. just because the NFL is sort of absorbing my sports time. Yeah. Um, but I was just so obsessed with Michael Jordan and had a uh, notebooks filled with Jordan drawings. And, and I, you know, I saved up lawn mowing money to get Air Jordans. I mean, just like every kid. And uh, to me, the, the media side, because I was so um, obsessed with like NBA on NBC, which was the show back then um, with Costas and all those guys. And just that how um, exclusive things were back then that really only 10 or 12 people 
um, allowed to bring sports into your living room. Um, and to me, they became like gods because it was kind of what I wanted to do. And I look at you as someone that's sort of in that same age range where it's like, you know what you want to do. Um, but the chances that someone your age or someone younger has today, uh, if we watched a series about something like that that happened today, I mean, it would be about Twitter. It would be about, um, you know, radio. And talk radio did not exist the same way back. It was coming around, but I mean, it did not exist the same way in the, in the early 90s that it did even 10 years later. So all this stuff was growing around the Bulls and the myth of Jordan and the rest of those guys was, I, you know, growing up listening to WFAN in New York, um, where the Knicks were trying so hard to get past um, Chicago and didn't really ever obviously do it until Jordan vanished to play minor league baseball. I mean, but just that I would listen to WFAN in the summers for five or six hours in a row. Wow. And it was all about Jordan. And when like, you know, some of the Jordan gambling stuff came out and people concerned about Jordan um, and Jordan would talk about having, you know, dreams of being destitute because of gambling. Um, this was stuff that was being laid out over the course of like, 90 minutes, two hours, three hours with various reporters um, and just how engaging the Bulls were back then that I'm not surprised that the show is as gripping as it is because it's not just about, you know, Jordan being able to fly unlike other athletes. That's part of it. And that hooked me in as a kid, his sheer athletic wizardry, but the whole um, soap opera nature of the team and that last season, obviously, and they flip around a lot. And if you weren't watching it in real time, I think that has thrown a few people for a loop. It's like, what season are we focused on now? But I mean, if you were there in real time, it really is incredibly special memories. Um, and it reminds me a little bit, because you can get a little tired or ground, ground down on sports um, in today's culture that, man, it mattered to me. Like the Bulls were a really special part of what made me a sports fan. And it's just brought all that back, kind of like looking through an old photo album. I mean, I think for so many people, um, pretty timeless, amazing, gripping stuff. What do you think of Bill Wennington's facial hair now? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, if I, if two months ago, I knew that I would have this ridiculous beard, I, I, I'm not one, I'm not going to throw stones at a glass house, but, um, it's special. Uh, he's found a way to, uh, to incorporate a very unique look into his arsenal. So, uh, it's hard to do as an aging man sometimes. Yeah. And then, so you've already said you were such a big fan of Jordan. Are you more of a fan now seeing him like through a closer lens than you were growing up? I just think he's more interesting to me now because I mean, he's certainly, you know, notoriously as a bit of an ax to grind with all these people that back then you didn't quite know where he stood. Um, you know, I, I kind of get that sometimes inside that like some of us are driven where, um, you know, you might be up in the middle of the night burning and annoyed at something and it's going to fuel you. And I, and I think he was very fueled by, I mean, not, I don't think we know, I mean, no. anger, vendettas, yeah. um, hatred, the need for revenge, the need to be, uh, to silence people. And, I mean, it made him an incredibly intense teammate, but one that you knew um, wanted it as much as anyone in the league. So I think that, you know, it made, you know what, honestly, and I'm sure a bunch of like, um, you know, wit crackers younger than me would disagree, but it made me a little sad when there was a period of time, um, and this is drowning that out a little bit, where all you'd ever see from Jordan was the Jordan crying face attached to like anything yeah. that was embarrassing. And it's like, to me, and I'm not trying to be on a high horse about it, it just kind of struck me that like, wait a minute, Michael Jordan was the most dominant, um, ferocious presence in any sport around for like 15 years. And he's been reduced to this on Twitter. I mean, it kind of just, again, back to the way that media operates. I mean, you would never have seen that back then. Um, is it better or worse? I don't know. There's more freedom to, sit, to, 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 to get under the skin if you're just uh, someone out there on Twitter of a pro athlete than ever before. That access was never granted 
Um, so Jordan's had to shift with the times a little bit and I'm, I can't tell what that he has. I mean, it just seems to me, and I'm not the biggest Michael Jordan expert, but his personality to me is total fascination because I mean, there is some engine churning inside of him and it's not all, uh, you know, rose petals at all. I can't wait until he's in a nursing home. He's going to win every bingo game every night for the entire. Oh week. yeah. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be tough sledding for the rest of the people in that facility. I mean, Laurel, I know you didn't have B5. I know. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. No, right. but it's I mean, wild. Yeah. And it's just wild to hear because you, you hear them when they talk about the gambling. Like, I don't have a gambling problem, but competition problem, which is a fantastic quote. It's going to be on t-shirt soon. But the, the, when he, when he, when they brought up the first time they really, you could tell it's just geared art. Everybody's going to, everybody's going to love this. It's complete geared. Jordan said the, the one thing they, they brought up, I know they brought up a uh, few days ago with the whole thing with the political thing where he really didn't want to take sides. And while well, anybody's in your right mind, you're allowed to take whatever stance you want. What he did when he said that, um, if you look up to me and you idolize me and you want to be like me, that's great. But if you don't, there's other people. And I think that really resonated. Like he, he's he knows he's a role model, but he also knows like he, he doesn't have to abide by society's standards. He can be himself. And I think that a lot of people respected that because I, I really never saw him growing up. The, the, the lasting image of him, because I, 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 I kind of remember him with the Wizards a little bit. Yeah. The, the thing that really stuck out to me is they, they did say it in the documentary with Tex Winters when they talked about, hey, there's no I in team. And he said there's an I in win. He said that during his Hall of Fame commencement speech. And right. that, I think a lot of people may have forgotten that. And that really stuck out. I'm like, this, this guy's just built different. Like, he's not the most physically imposing guy. Like, he, 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 he was done for a three pick in the draft. Really, really not the most physically imposing, but he just wants it more than anybody I've ever seen. And I think it's just giving me a more appreciation for it. And I also think that. Hopefully, if the, NBA, if the NBA can't get back on schedule, I think a lot of people's interpretations of Michael Jordan will maybe kind of shift it compared to they're not really seeing LeBron James now, but you're seeing Jordan's greatness. And I think this is exactly what Jordan wanted to do. Just that this is just the perfect platform for him to be like, all right, I, I still got it. Yeah, so. I mean, it's talk about, um, you know, it's super engaging yeah. storytelling and television at a time, like you said, we have nothing else. I it is a dream scenario for ESPN. Yeah. Um, and really for Michael Jordan, because like yourself, you know, catching the experience, you know, around the time of the Hall of Fame speech um, is, is where tons of people are. A lot of people these days did not watch him. I mean, you know, growing up in the 80s and, and hearing about sports, you know, athletes that played in the 50s, it felt like ancient history, the Mesozoic era. And like, that's how, that's how far away we are removed from, you know, Jordan playing for a lot of people. I mean, the, so I think that's it's been great for him, and it, and it reshapes um, and it puts back into focus how amazing he was. Secondly, though, I've been to a bunch of uh, out in Canton, like Pro Football Hall of Fame ceremonies, where you go through the seven or eight speeches, and there there some are very long and flowery, and there are a couple moments of maybe negativity in them. But I mean, I have never, I can't really remember anyone um, who has been celebrated as a Hall of Famer going up and dropping the endless um, laundry list of nuclear bombs that Jordan did during his Hall of Fame speech. I mean, to your, to being different and atypical, I mean, he, that was, it's just not been done by anyone else that I can recall. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love his security guard. The security guard, I know the guy is fantastic. I, I, I did see that he had passed away. And I think I saw he, he had some sort of debilitating disease, but apparently they did interview him before they finished mm. up, and there's going to be a segment with him sometime in the next four episodes. But I can't oh, I wait. It. This guy, he's he's fantastic. He's fantastic. And then the whole the Rodman thing, like I didn't want to oh. see everything with Rodman because there's a lot. But like, it, I it, you can't ask for more. And I think people have a more appreciation for Dennis Rodman. 
I, I think he's a lot of times that people think, oh, he was great. He's just kind of an odd guy. He's one of the best defensive players in NBA history. Highly unscouted, came out of nowhere, second-round pick. And the way he hustled, the way he's showing you how his mind worked with the rebounding, with the this and then that and this and that, just the way you see him diving on the court, you don't see that. I, I see it a little from Marcus Smart because I'm a big Celtics fan. Not like, not like Rodman did it, but just the way he moved around, that team – the team didn't have the most – on paper, it doesn't look like the best team, but the way they were constructed, they, they were going to demoralize you every level of the, of the floor. Yeah, and they talked about how the season didn't start, you know, yeah. perfectly, and, you know, a lot of people wanted um, to take them out. I mean, and that, the NBA from that era, and, I, you know, again, I, today I'm not as much of – I'm not so plugged in, but just how different the nature of the Eastern and Western Conference was for so long back then. And the Eastern Conference got so physical – I mean that, you know, you know, new rules were implemented because of the nature of play. And I mean, it was just amazing to watch. And I think that the Bulls, um, you know, Rodman, I, I, I really remember him as, as much as a part of the Detroit Pistons. And he was a fascinating player then. Now, the personality side of Rodman was kept under wraps a little bit yeah. more in Detroit, um, certainly early on. And I think that's also that all unfolded in a very interesting time. Because today, you know, you know, someone looking the way Rodman decided to look and some of his eccentric nature I mean, I think that today, all right, well, we see that from like five or six people in sports already. And he'd be, you know, he would be taken a lot differently back then though. um, You know, it's a different country, different world. And I think Rodman was really pushing the boundaries um, of, you know, what people expected from pro athletes. And, you know, that takes, you're burning some bridges along the way and it takes um, commitment to be who you are. And I kind of always liked that. I didn't, you know, now we know more about Rodman, but when it was happening, the way that sports gave you information in such small little nuggets, or maybe you'd get like an, a great SI feature story, but Rodden was um, more mysterious than he is today to us. And um, man, he had Jordan's respect. And I feel like anyone, you know, you know, and Rodman did not necessarily obviously do things the way that every, you'd want every player in your roster to, but because he delivered the way he did, um, he was allowed to do these little junkets to Vegas and all this other stuff, because it was like this window's closing. Let's work with our personalities. And I love, I love teams like that. It kind of reminds me of like when the Seahawks were at their peak and they're still a great team. Um, the Pete Carroll, I thought, won early with players by wanting his, the personalities on his team, the Richard Shermans, the Earl Thomases, um, uh, who has quite a personality from what we're understanding. Uh, you know, these guys were allowed to be themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like when you see, when you think of a guy, when you think of Michael Jordan, you think of Dennis Rodman, you think these guys will never mesh. This would not work. But to Jordan's respect and just for De- Rodman's dedication, I think the people are giving you more of an understanding. People probably always thought, like, I wonder how Jordan tolerated Rodman. And you see, like, I respect this guy. He, he gives it all, and I, and I think it's fantastic. And, that's, and then speaking of Earl Thomas, interesting situation. We don't know all the details. We've heard a little about it. What was more demoralizing, this or what Derrick Henry did to him in the playoffs? It's funny because those two moments are being paired together um, quite a bit. Well, I, you know – I'll just, I'll take the on field thing. I think that's exactly what Earl Thomas is not about um, is getting bowled over by a running back. I mean, you know, he's, he, as a safety, he's known as someone with intense closing speed. Who's not going to let you kind of roll through him. So that was rough um, in a rough end in general uh, to the Ravens, just this, like a shocking loss. The other stuff, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a perfect person behind the scenes. So I, I don't know what, I don't know what to make of it all. Um, athletes are presented with temptations that the average guy uh, or man or woman on the street is not facing. I, I, that I do know um, from some of these anecdotes. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And one, one more question before I let you go. When all the restrictions are lifted, when everything is safe, if you can do anything you want, what's the first thing you're looking forward to doing? Oh, man. You know, I've thought about this a lot because there's been, there's been a lot of family time and the family is certainly invited to, uh, to this event. But I, I want to just get to it was before before we um, this all happened. There was this day, uh, toward, you know, where we had gotten through a bunch of offseason stuff. And uh, it was myself and the other guys on our on our podcast. It was Dan and Wes and, and Wes's um, wife, Lakeisha and Colleen, uh, Colleen Wolf and her husband, John Gonzalez. Um, and listen, we, we've done this in the past in the offseason. I remember sitting there going out with them and we went out and had some drinks and um, thinking, oh, I should be home. Like, you know, the, the, the whole offseason is ahead. Thank God we did that. 48 hours later, this happened. So what I'd like to do is just like have a bigger version of that with all the people that um, here in LA, there's just an awesome community of, of people that work at the NFL and other friends and like no holds barred, like just get together at someone's house and just do it up. I mean, it's just been, you know, they, they, like I, the NFL's done a nice job of um, mo- moving forward during all this. And I, I kind of initially wasn't sure what, what, how it would look, but I'm glad they did the draft. Yeah. I'm glad that all the stuff that free agency happened. Um, they were wiser than some. And I question whether any of it should occur just because we didn't know what was unfolding around us, but move forward. And, and if the season happens, um, that's great. And, but in general, I just think that there's going to be once it's really safe. I mean, that could be whenever this enormous kind of like post world war two feeling of we're back in society. Um, it's going to take some acclimation, but let's celebrate like all the stuff that we haven't been able to, not to be cheesy about it, but it's like, I miss my little restaurants and pubs around LA that make me love LA and that I'll think about forever. And I, it's like kind of weird to think about a bunch of those could be closed on the other side of this and what it will look like. Um, I'm rambling, but that's, I'm excited for lots of things, but friends and being able to hang out with people and see them in real time um, will be nice. Yeah, I miss traffic a little bit. Like, I don't, sometimes you're like a, <laughs> No, well, it's no. a little eerie to be in a metropolitan type <laughs> place and there's no cars, right? I mean, a yeah. lot of this stuff, even when you talk about, um, you, if you knew that your one of your bigger challenges was that your your mask was fogging up your glasses, you'd be like, wait, why am I wearing a mask? Yeah. What's happened to our yeah. country? So, yeah. you know. Anytime I tell people I'm going to the grocery store, they say, did you see anybody you know? I'm like, how would I know? I don't know if I did. <laughs> I don't know. I can, I can see their eyes. But right, like, right. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, look, it's Jim. No, like, yeah, no. yeah, it's wild. Yeah, but just just going out, just when – I think it's going to be a little weird initially when it happens, but once we kind of get going, just being able to go out and do stuff, it's just so weird driving around downtown D.C. and just oh, yeah. nothing going on, and it's just – it's just, it's weird. It's weird. And hopefully we can just get past it. Everybody can just do what they they need to do. Get gradually can grow back to the side. Cause I, I was looking forward to this Memorial Day weekend this year. People that are going out, do what you want to do. Yeah. But it's, it's, it, it's just weird. It's weird. I don't, it, it's going to be very interesting, but this has been a lot of fun. Um, so if, if, uh, how can people find you on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter, just simply at Mark Sessler. It's M-A-R-C-S-E-S-S-L-E-R. I'm on Instagram at the same handle um trying to think i don't i you know i don't do a billion other social media things at the moment um there is a chance we'll be doing some stuff with twitch down the road uh, but i'll i'll let you know if that happens and uh yeah if you can't find me there i'm probably asleep or something so all right cool and they can also listen to you around the nfl podcast oh yeah that's right the podcast um yeah around the nfl podcast which uh was going five days a week um early on during this we're now going to do two days a week and then we have our we have a network show um if you're watching this on friday early we'll be airing five times on friday and hopefully every friday from now until um the end of time but probably much lesser if they get a look at how most of us look at the moment um 
but yeah, that'll be on Fridays and you can kind of, we'll be posting about when all that stuff's happening. Right, so cool. yeah, come check it out. A little bit of football content. Absolutely. And then, and then just one, one more reminder, just so anybody, so remember, we're donating all proceeds from this, donating all proceeds to Feeding America. Try to give back if you can, if it's in your means, if you, get, uh, if you can help out a little bit, that'd be great. Uh, the link's in the bio, everything's there, it goes right to them. Just give helps, instant, instant feedback, helping out people in food banks across the country. Just want to try to do a little good while we can. But Mark, this has been awesome. Been awesome talking to you. I'm glad everybody's doing well. And I'm ready to go back and go to restaurants and go to bars. This is, yes. so it's been wild. Take, take, going to the grocery store feels like a mission. Like yes, it, it does. It's, it's wild. It's wild. I've never seen somebody so happy to see me with a mask on my face before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I want to thank you too, because I like, uh, A, you're doing this. This is cool that you're doing this. And um, this is, a, like, I feel like this time period is like a check-in for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, do you want it? You have an excuse to do nothing. You definitely do. It's not an easy time to jump in on new projects, but um, you know, I getting to know you a little bit. I think that you, uh, you know, you go after it. Um, you want to learn. You're growing. You're getting. You're you're you're, show, you're doing a great job in in everything that I'm seeing that you do. And just uh, keep at it. And I love to stay in touch. And hopefully, we'll have a real season to talk about. Absolutely, I can't wait. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Well, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. And um, tell your family to stay safe. Hopefully, we can get back. And remember, for any for the language arts, there's a lot of great great names. I mean, I, I, I get in trouble with most of these, so, um, you know, I'm going to have to work right alongside them on these words. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, thanks again. Man. Appreciate it.
What up? This is Robert Ory. You might know me as Big Shot Bob, and I want you to check out my new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. We'll always be talking hoops, football, sports, and I'm going to bring you some big guests like Lakers legend Shaquille O'Neal in our premiere episode. I know I didn't come in to train the camp the best of shape, but... Well, well you I'm, did one time. Yeah, well, 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 well. <laughs> Subscribe now to The Big Shot Bob Pod on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 